0: Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Corey Husick. We recorded last Saturday at the Harry Smith Frolic, right before the reenactment, and we actually didn't decide to do it until a few hours before, so, Corey, thanks again for being so flexible. Exciting news! The best of 2017 album, Get Up in the Cool Volume 2, is now available for pre-order. Go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the Albums button, then purchase a digital download or CD. And just a reminder, during Get Up in the Cool month last year, I promised to send download codes to anyone who signed up on the Patreon before November. If that describes you, you should have an exclusive early access download code waiting for you in your email inbox. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to get exclusive bonus content for supporting Get Up in the Cool. But first, here's my interview and jam with Corey Husick. Enjoy. See Barry Husik, welcome to get up in the cool. Thank you. Thanks for doing this super last minute. Yeah, it's you're great. jamming in a tree with your girlfriend. And yes, I so was. And I approached and I said, "Will you give a part of your festival away?"
1: <laughs> well, gladly. So so thanks. thanks. For yeah. yeah,
0: we're at the Harry Smith Frolic. How many times do you come to this festival? This is
1: actually my first time here. This is your first one? Yeah, yeah.
0: Are you excited for the reenactment?
1: Yeah. I hope I can stay. I actually have to leave tonight. But oh my God. I'll okay. A little bit of it.
0: Uh, People were saying that it might start at midnight. Wait, how? Where do you live? I don't even know.
1: Oh, uh, from Pennsylvania. Um, You're from Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah. Where? Uh, Poconos. You're in the Poconos. Yeah. yeah. Do you go to Janeiro? Yep.
0: Yeah. Once in a while. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's only about oh. an
1: hour away. So.
0: Yeah. What a great place to live! Yeah, it is. Good idea is living there. Often. Yeah, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah. But oh, I
1: was—I uh, went to school in Boston, and somehow, whenever this festival was happening, just I was always busy, and yeah. couldn't make it out. But glad to finally be here.
0: Well, you're like a really—you got like a lot of stuff going on. Kind
1: of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, kind of in a little bit of a lull right now.
0: Okay. But, good. So, yeah. yeah. You playing more fiddle teams then? Yeah,
1: yeah. Lots of festivals and just hanging around home. Yeah. So you.
0: There are a lot of interesting leads about you, like, non-old-time leads. Yeah. Like, so, like,
1: you... Right, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where do you want to start with that?
1: Well, so I graduated last year um, and ended up getting a postgraduate fellowship, and that allowed me to travel to Uganda and then Indonesia to work yeah. with conservation organizations working with great apes.
0: Yeah, um, why Why did you do that? Um, Not why would one do that, I mean, that sounds amazing, but why did you specifically do that? Um,
1: well, I've always had an interest in, um, nature and, um, conservation and things like that. Um, set that aside for a while in college where I studied chemistry. Um, and at this point, this fall, I'm starting a PhD in chemistry. Um, and so I figured it'd be a good opportunity to go back to that thing I really love and, um, experience that sort of thing in different parts of the world, see, see the world, um, yeah, it was really wonderful. So I spent three months living in the mountains of Uganda, um, in close proximity to mountain gorillas.
0: Just like wild, wild gorillas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What were you like doing? Were you every day? What was like a day?
1: Yeah. Um. So so most days I was actually um just spending time in a village uh, working with a community conservation group that's there. So they have they're working on a. Um, managing this small piece of forest that they own, that's right next door to the big national park that is home to gorillas. Um, but I did get to spend some time in that national park and one a bit south, actually seeing the mountain gorillas in the wild. Um, and But primarily working with these um, locals who basically have nothing yet seem to find time and money to uh, you know, preserve forest and, um, and plant trees. And, Create buffer zones between farmlands and the forest. All right, how
0: do they feel about
1: the gorillas? Are um, they yeah, they pretty committed to
0: conserving them.
1: They are, but there's uh, some trouble from the community because the gorillas do come out of the forest and raid crops, and that's been a big problem recently. They just like come and just like munch on. Yeah, they'll they'll rip corn out of the ground. <laughs> they you know take bananas right out of the trees
0: and you can't just like walk up to them and be like hey no no you, you cut that shit you, out <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you get your butt kicked pretty hard
0: yeah yeah no joke those things are scary
1: yeah um, and then so after that I was home for a little while and then um, went to Indonesian Borneo uh, I was working with an organization that is doing works with orangutans there um, and that that trip was cut a little bit short I ended up getting dengue fever um, so, came home a little early Yeah, sorry uh, about that Yeah, that's alright I don't
0: even really know what that entails So that sounds the worst
1: Yeah, it's a mosquito-borne <laughs> yeah. disease That just makes you basically feel like shit For quite some time Yeah So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so like, rewind, rewind, rewind Like, how did you start playing fiddle?
1: Yeah um, So my dad's an old time fiddle player Great um, And grew up David, right? Dave said, yeah Dave. Um, grew up with Old-time music in the house, pretty much all the time. He's playing fiddle occasionally, guitar and banjo, and um, always have records on.
0: Would you describe him as a hobbyist? Like, was that his sort of main like interest that he spent his time doing? That was
1: pretty much his main interest for a while. So he got he got really started that in grad school. He was at Michigan State, and there was a good old-time scene um, in that part of Michigan. Um, And then since then, it's just yeah, it's been a big part of his life. Um, But yeah, I I. He heard that and um, took some violin lessons for a little while, a couple years, um, but wasn't a huge fan of of that, Um, and then sort of shifted into learning a little bit of old time, and then played Irish music for a little while, Um, but it wasn't long before I just ended up in old time and really, really loved it, and have been there since.
0: What was attractive about old time as opposed to Irish music or any other tradition, or violin?
1: Yeah, well... Um, I was never particularly good at reading music, so that, that definitely pushed me away from right. the classical stuff. Not that um, much demanded. Yeah, and the music wasn't, yeah. for whatever reason, wasn't interesting to me. Um, and I really enjoyed Irish music and um, what that entailed, but I think it was the community of Irish and Celtic players around where I was, it, it didn't feel o- particularly open or inviting. Um, I've heard that
0: you kind of got to, like, earn your way in or yeah. something. Like, you kind of like... Yeah, it's I, I think I think when I went to all... Irish
1: sessions, it was very clear who were the you know the the like expert al- players and alphas. who was just beginning, <laughs> and then the expert players would in a somewhat condescending way say, "Oh, let's play a tune that you might know." Yeah, yeah. But then when you go to old time jams, it's like, "Well, we'll just play whatever, and you can play along." And, yeah. And that's that's an environment I really liked, and just the people. Yeah. I mean, I've been going to Clifftop forever, and. Uh, just hanging out with people there and hearing the music and just being in a great place and being happy and hearing old-time music, I'm sure, had something to do with what drew me to it.
2: Yeah,
0: That's cool about the, like, you know, the repertoire and stuff. Like, I remember the first time I heard David Bass play Mm -hmm. Cluck Old Hen. Yeah. I was like, that was Cluck Old Hen? (laughs) That didn't sound like Cluck Old Hen to me. You know, so it's like, uh, the... There are some, like, tunes that are, like, really hard or, like, difficult if you're in a jam to like jump into. Um but there's all of there's all of this old time repertoire, especially in the fiddling, mm-hmm. that's like um maybe if you were to let's say write it on a page, it would look like nothing. Yeah. yeah But right. to like But to it's open it, to so much interpretation yeah, in like, yeah.
1: yeah. the individual and that's what yeah. Yeah. Um what do you want to play next? What's uh kitty posts. do kitty yeah, so yeah. this is a Clyde Davenport tune. Funky. <laughs> it's yeah, we're really getting bit up. I
0: don't think there's any dengue fever over here. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, oh like, uh, those ticks, though, like, yeah, I like, here that, like... Um, make you allergic to meat. Is that a thing? Yeah, Lone Star ticks will make you allergic to Lone red Star? meat for a while. Jesus.
1: And Lyme's disease, of course.
0: Yeah. And then, isn't there some sort of thing that has been going around the past couple years? It's like a tick-borne illness that will make you brain dead or something? People were talking about that like in northern Pennsylvania oh, and, and yeah. New York State.
1: Yeah, ticks are pretty scary things. Yeah. It's, and it's The ones you find on yourself, those are not the dangerous ones. It's those little little deer ticks that you never see.
0: They just like latch on, get what they need, and then go? Yeah. And so those are the ones that pass yeah, it on? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Well, that makes you feel simultaneously better and worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Every once in a while on the show, I get, like, some very scientifically-minded people mm-hmm. on. I'm always curious, like, what is the role of old-time music? Like, some people approach it the same way that they would approach, like, whatever their, like, discipline is. Their mm-hmm. scientific discipline. And for other people, it's, like, a total escape.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: like, what? where does old-time fit in for you? How do you engage with it?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I think on one hand, music has been been an escape from this scientific mindset yeah. and that way of thinking. Um, but then at the same time, I, I think I'm drawn to problems, whether it be, you know, chemistry problem or tune, in the way that if... Which it, are problems, the <laughs> Yeah. Um, it, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't seem straightforward at first, then yeah. that's something worth pursuing. Yeah. Um, so... I, I've recently been really drawn to Clyde Davenport tunes um, yeah. particularly because they're weird <laughs> um, you never know how many beats he's going to play next um, and you do that for a while and it doesn't make any sense and you yeah. hate yourself um, yeah. but then at some point it clicks yeah. and when that clicks you, there's there's some sense of pride and and just um, real satisfaction and, understanding how the universe yeah. works yeah and something. so that that <laughs> Definitely carries over for me from well, yeah, science into yeah. and, and music.
0: But you don't feel like you don't necessarily feel like uh, if you're exhausted after work or school or mm. whatever. Like music,
1: do you come home and play. Music would be, definitely be an outlet for. Okay, cool. All that.
0: Even though you, yeah. So maybe you play like what you already know, or like, or do you go home and you start like digging away at whatever weird clyde tune?
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, maybe maybe if I if I were coming home from a you know, uh, doing a bunch of you know sciency work, I, it would it would not not be a day to dive into a new yeah. <laughs> a new clade team. That's,
0: that's certainly true. You're a bird watcher.
1: I am, yeah. Or or birder as we a birder. Excuse like <laughs> me, the
0: bird. You're a birder. Birder. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been
1: a birder? Mm, about as long as I've been playing fiddle. Um, yeah, so I grew up in rural part of Pennsylvania and um, was always out in the woods and meadows and whatnot. At some point, just fascinated by the birds I was seeing. Um, so that's not something you inherited from someone else. That's just a thing m- you started doing. Yeah, I mean, my parents, said, you know, they had a, a casual interest in it. They had some friends that were that were birders, but um, I think since I since I've gotten into that hobby, they've they've come along for the ride. Um, but yeah, that was something I found and really really grew with. Do you like travel for it and stuff? Yeah a little bit.
0: Um, like do you go on birding trips or do you just go on trips and then you try to yeah, I'm, squeeze in am squeezing. There are certainly birding. people
1: who will go on trips specifically to see birds. Right. I, I think maybe there was a point where I did a little bit of that but lately I've been more seeking places and there happen yeah. to be birds there as well and so while I'm there I will appreciate those. What
0: do you have like I don't even know how to ask about this. Is is there, like, a number of birds that you've seen? Is that, like, something you keep track of? Yeah. Does everyone do it the same way? Is there, like, a well, standardized way? I,
1: I of wouldn't like, say everyone does it the same way, but, yeah, people keep what they call a life list of the birds That's it. The that's the word see see I've heard. Um, My father-in-law was a
0: birder okay. uh, for, like, a long time, and, like, uh, he's, he's dead now, but, like... Uh, our whole family sort of talks in birding lingo just long enough for me to <laughs> know that, like, I don't know how to ask the question the yeah. right way, but, like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: What's
0: your, like, life list?
1: Yeah, so it's it's probably somewhere around 1,500. Yeah. Yeah, out of 10,000 or so in the world that are possible to be seen. Yeah. There's only 10,000 birds. Bird species? Wow. Yeah.
0: That seems, like, d- doable. Is that really hard to um, see
1: all those? Yeah, I, I would, I would say so. I, I think people who who really, really try can get pretty easily into six or seven thousand. Yeah. Has um, anyone like just seen all the birds? No, no, <laughs> okay. definitely not. You know, there are some. There's, you know, there's a birds like the inaccessible island rail. It's named for this island that it lives on. That, as the name suggests, it's quite difficult to see so yeah. there are there are certain species that happen to live in places that are not accessible by humans or it's you can't get permission to go to those places or things like that yeah so. Interesting. and I, I'm really not the type to seek out you know as many as I possibly can it's nice to see new birds of course but yeah um, I'm there are there are people we call them listers
0: yeah <laughs> uh, who go
1: out and, you know they're they're going to you know I don't know Tibet just to find one particular species of bird they haven't seen yet and yeah. that's what they care about. But What's I, like
0: the most like interesting bird that you've seen oh, or like the dear. rarest bird?
1: Um, it's, there were a couple birds that I saw in, in Uganda um, that only live in a few, few thousand square kilometer area of uh, Uganda, Rwanda and the DRC. Um, so they have such limited range that it's very difficult to find them. But I was lucky enough to see a couple of those while I was there. Um, uh, yeah, so probably some of those. I'm not. I'm not sure which one would be the rarest, but yeah. This is. A,
0: this wasn't a planned segue. I swear. Yeah, yeah. I swear. But we're gonna play old buzzer We are now. gonna play old buzzer. <laughs> How many old buzzers have you seen? Yeah. <laughs> Tune. Yeah, that's I love one. that. <laughs> so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Alright, I need to get to C. Okay. Real quick. Let me get to yep. C. Oh, yeah, we're
2: doing
1: good. Right. This is called The Horse Called Rover. Um, considering I'm from Pennsylvania, I figured it'd be good to play a Pennsylvania tune. Yeah, very good. Um, this one's from a guy by the name of Hiram White. Is somewhere this, in southwestern Pennsylvania
0: Is this a part of the like um,
1: uh, Bayard collection? Yep, yep. Okay, um, very good. And so and, and Mark Tamslow plays this on his uh, Record of Pennsylvania tunes um, I uh, Yeah, so it's Similar to that version But made it my own a little bit Shout out to Mark and Richard Yeah
0: Have you played um, many of the other Pennsylvania tunes? Uh, I played
1: a few. Yeah, I'm um, slowly working my way through that. Those albums from. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pennsylvania jams love to, love to play the Pennsylvania tunes. Yeah, I don't. Tunes. I don't get enough of
0: those Pennsylvania <laughs> jams. Do you ever do that? I just learned this tune for the show, uh, "Such a getting Upstairs." That's off
1: one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've played that a few times. <laughs> That's rad.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. Like. Uh, this sort of buried culture. Yeah. In and it's Pennsylvania.
1: It's intriguing to me how different tunes have little tastes of, you know, southern Appalachians and yeah. some New England and yeah. more Irishy um, sounding things. And recently I've been looking into the tradition of fiddling in my part of the state, the northeast. Oh, yeah. Um, so a lot of the fiddling that Pennsylvania has been recorded is from southwestern, south right. central, um, but there were fiddlers, old-time fiddlers, and mm. um, Irish fiddlers that were in northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, some of who played tunes that be considered old-time tunes, but have never really been, um, you know, published in any any way. And there are a yeah. few recordings here and there, um, so hoping to get my hand on some of those recordings. Yeah, at right some, some point in the near future, um, hopefully, bring out some tunes. But who knows? Who knows what's in those recordings? And, yeah. But um, yeah, it's been really, it's been really neat to, to learn about that tradition, where you know, in the place where I grew up. So you're
0: you're about to get you're about to move to California. I
1: am. Yeah. For your doctorate. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to down Caltech in Pasadena.
0: I don't even know where Pasadena is. Yeah. Uh just outside of LA. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been there before?
1: Just to visit the school. Just to visit the yeah, school.
0: Yeah. So you're gonna be looking up the old time yeah, musicians I, out there.
1: Some friends have put me in touch with musicians out there, so I have a have a few few contacts already, but right on. definitely will be looking for for that scene when I you know, move out.
0: Uh, people out there, <laughs> hit up Corey and play some tunes with him when he moves <laughs> out. If you, if you have any time.
1: Yeah, no, that, <laughs> yeah. I'll make time. Yeah, yeah. right on.
0: Um, Thanks so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, it's been these great. are
1: great tunes. These are awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like playing them. That's
0: why that's why I picked them. So yeah, man. <laughs> glad you enjoyed them too. Uh, Jenny, Jenny, get around. Yeah. But we're playing it in D, down a whole
1: step. Yeah. So it's yeah. typically typically an A tune, I think. Um, and I really like the way it sounds in d but um, we're gonna drop it down to c yeah uh' so why
0: not I mean I gotta say like cross a tunes fits so much better in C or d tuning on banjo mm-hmm. yeah just because it like yeah more closely
1: mirrors the shape yeah, of, I'm, yeah. I, I think a lot of times with those cross A tunes, they, they can get kind of squealy and screechy on the fiddle. And there's a, time, <laughs> there's a time and a place for that. Um, but other times it's nice to mellow it out a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've heard like some people feel some kind of way about like the idea of cross tuning tunes having to be an A. And maybe that's not very traditional. Yeah. And like I don't know why so many people do it other than like the Milliner or Koken tradition just saying if this is a cross tune, we're going to transcribe it in right. A and then yeah. everyone
1: doing it in A. Yeah. I I'm like really not a fan of that at all. I, I love dropping tunings down to you know, cross G, cross F sharp, yeah. cross F, those kind of things. <laughs> it's like you're playing the same tune but yeah, yeah, it sounds so good. And a lot of the source recordings, they weren't playing in A. No. They're whether purposefully or not, they're they're way down. Totally. So uh, I think and you know it depends on the fiddle too. So like this particular fiddle that I'm playing now it sounds really good I think. I like lower. the
0: tightness on banjo of tuning up to mm-hmm. A, but it does yeah, it does like miss a little bit of a little bit of warmth when yeah. you when you really crank it up there. So yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> Jenny get around.
1: Maybe it's the exactness of a scientist that comes out in tuning.
2: <laughs> you.
0: Support get up in the cool? Thanks! Visit CameronDeWitt.com and click the button that says Patreon. Then choose a support level that works for you and get its corresponding reward. Throw in a little and I'll give you an on air shout out. Throw in a little more and you could get access to the bonus track blog where I post the extra tune that my guests and I always play for each episode. This week's bonus track features Cory and I playing Walking in the Parlor. You don't want to miss it. At higher levels of support, you could join me for a monthly online banjo workshop. Or download the whole Get Up In The Cool tune archive, featuring every tune and song ever played on the show, including the bonus tracks, tagged and separated from the dialogue for your listening convenience. Shout out to Chet Gray, Get Up In The Cool's newest Patreon supporter. Chet, I love making the show, but I couldn't keep it up without the generosity of people like you. So enjoy those bonus tracks and thank you so much. I now offer all those rewards in bulk at a discount at camerondewitt.com store, where you can also purchase Telegram if you'd like me to read a message on air for another listener of the show or promote your business, festival, or crowdfunding campaign. I plan to use the money from camerondewitt.com store to buy some new microphones for the show, and I'm about halfway there, so sign up if you want the tunes to sound even sweeter. You can find my other show, Think Outside the Box Set, wherever you like to get your podcasts, and you can purchase my albums, including Get Up in the Cool Volumes 1 and 2, now available for pre-order, by going to my website, CameronDoIt.com, and clicking the Albums button. Also on my website is a contact form, and that's the best way to hit me up for Skype banjo lessons. Everything I mentioned in this outro is linked in the app you're using to listen to this, my website, Cameradua.com, and Get Up in the Cool's Facebook page and group, which you should like, follow, and join. Thanks for listening, friends. That's all for now. Come back same time next week for the 100th episode of Get Up in the Cool, featuring a very special guest.